It's the Code St. Luke Telephone Broadcasting Service and Podcast for Monday, October 26, 2020. This is episode 150. On today's episode, we hear from author Sammy Joe Small. The book is a memoir of Small's 10 years with Canada's national women's hockey team, beginning with her experience as a rookie at the first ever women's Olympic hockey tournament in Nagano in 1998, culminating with Canada's third straight Olympic gold medal in Vancouver in 2010. This veteran goaltender gives readers a behind-the-scenes insight into one of the most successful sports teams in history. But, you know, she was a backup goalie for many of those tournaments, and she talks about the competitiveness on the team, and and she really gives a a, a truthful look uh, at what it was like to compete against other great goalies, and the competitiveness, her wanting to be the the main goalie. There are ups and downs, uh, of course, uh, in sports, and uh, athletes are competing against each other, and she really gives a good sense of that. Now, Small, who is from Winnipeg, Uh, is 44 years old, and she has a degree in mechanical engineering from Stanford University. In fact, she attended Stanford on a scholarship uh, for javelin throwing. So she's quite an athlete, she's a mechanical engineer, and now she's an author, and we're very pleased to have her today. Here is Sammy Jo Small. Hi, my name is Sammy Jo Small, and I'm a three-time Olympic ice hockey goaltender. I wrote this book actually before my daughter was born, almost 10 years ago, uh, but got pregnant and had a daughter and life happened and wasn't able to publish it. So I finally got around to publishing it just recently, and it's due to come out the end of September. But here is a chapter from the middle of my book, uh, the second world championship uh, that I participated in as a goaltender. Uh, I hope you enjoy. Chapter 10, Stay Focused. April 2000, The Decision. It's the day before the finals of the 2000 Women's World Hockey Championships in Mississauga, proudly hosted by the Ontario Women's Hockey Association, the largest women's hockey association in the world, run by Fran Ryder and Pat Nichols. Mississauga Mayor Mayor Hazel McCallion, who played professional hockey in Montreal in the 40s, has made this tournament on home soil very special. She, along with the OWHA, was instrumental in pushing women's hockey to be included at the Olympic Games. The World Championship is tomorrow, and assistant coach Karen Hughes, with her shy, friendly face, escorts Kim St. Pierre and me to the coach's room. It's been three months since my huge win at the NHL All-Star Game. We have just finished our semi-final game against Finland. Kim played and we won a close one, 3-2. The home crowd was cheering every time we touched the puck. In the round robin against Finland, the Americans had to come back from a 3-1 deficit going into the third period, but then easily made it through their semifinal against Sweden, setting up a Canada-USA final. The World Championship final is tomorrow. Karen walks us the length of the hallway underneath the stands at the Hershey Centre. Kim stopped 25 shots today and made key saves at opportune times. But as we walk towards our fate, I'm not worried. She played well, but not well enough to usurp me from my spot. We've won every game I've played in, and I haven't let a goal in with Team Canada all season. Kim was great in December at the Three Nations Cup in Montreal, playing before her hometown crowd dramatically by winning a 3-2 shootout against the Americans. But I won the TSN Challenge in January 6-0, haven't let a goal in in this tournament or pre-tournament games. I'm confident. You guys wait here. Karen enters the room alone, leaving us to wait. Both Kim and I are dressed are in dress clothes, wet hair pulled back into ponytails. I try to keep the mood light as we wait. You played great today. 
Merci beaucoup, she says with a timid smile. I can see she's nervous. She wants to play tomorrow's final as much as I do. I'm sure she feels she deserves it. I sat at home in December and watched Kim in an interview after the shootout win when she indicated she wanted the number one goalie job. I wouldn't have ever said that on national TV, but I do think it. Karen reemerges into the hallway. Okay, both of you come in. Both of us? Maybe our head coach, Melody Davidson, is not going to tell us about the starter for tomorrow's game. Maybe Mel hasn't made her mind up. She wouldn't have us both in the room together. The dressing room is stark white with a solitary gray plastic table in the middle. Hooks line the walls, but nothing hangs from them. Covering the table are papers, coaching notes, and what may be scouting reports or lineups. Mel sits facing the doorway, and an orange classroom-style chair faces her. Without looking up, she motions, sit down. She has a clipboard in her hand and frowns. This isn't unusual. She rarely looks happy. Only away from the rink will she let her guard down and smile. Around the rink, we all wait on eggshells. She never seems satisfied, and I always feel I'm about to get into trouble or have made her angry. Kim and I sit down. My heart is racing. Mel's awkward silence intimidates me. Karen grabs a chair and sits off in the corner, joined by our other assistant, Wally Kozak. This tournament has been an amazing experience so far. The team has become close very quickly, and playing the World Championship in Canada, unlike last year's in Finland, has meant that my friends and family can be here. My parents flew in from Winnipeg, even though they were just here in January for the All-Star Game. They met at U of T, so it's a bit of a homecoming. My Thunder teammates are here too, cheering for both their American teammates and us. Colin had to fly back to Europe for a training camp as for, and for his Olympic trials. He's becoming frustrating, and I feel okay that he's gone home. It makes it easier to focus. Mel is emotionless. She begins with, this choice hasn't been easy. My palms are sweaty, and I can feel my face getting red. Kim stares straight ahead, hopeful. Mel continues, Kim, you've had a great year with your McGill team. Really proved yourself, she says, gesturing with her hands in front of Kim's direction with a slight hint of a smile. My heart sinks a little. Mel turns to me. And Sammy... Well, we've expected more. I'm shocked. What more could I have done? I played well in every Team Canada game. And even if I wasn't always my best with the Brampton Thunder, I played excellent when it mattered. It's a hard league with good teams and great players. Kim's University League is second rate compared to the National Women's Hockey League. She plays with younger players. The Canadian Inter-University Athletic Union League is no NWHL. I play against the best in the world. It's not fair comparison. What more does she want? Now I'm angry. But Sammy... My gut tells me I should go with you for the final. What? Wait, am I playing? Did she just tell me I'm playing in the finals? Relief sweeps, sweeps over my body. My face turns back to its normal color. I don't want to look at Kim. I don't want to see her disappointment. How could Mel tell us together? This is so cruel. Mel extends her hand to Kim and then to me. I don't want to look too excited. I know Kim must be devastated. I shake hands with Mel, turn and follow Kim out the door. We walk in silence, side by side, towards the bus that awaits us. Just before we climb the stairs of the bus, I turn to Kim and whisper, I'm sorry. April 2000, World Championship, Mississauga. It's a gold medal game, and I walk into the dressing room after the second period. Sweat runs down my forehead. This isn't how I envisioned the game. The Americans scored twice last period, outshooting us 13-3 to and now leading 2 nothing. Looks like a team. We look like a team with no hope. I sit in my stall in front at the front left of the dressing room, normally the home of the OHL's Mississauga Ice Dogs. I'm tired. It was a tough period. 
Two goals got past me. The first was a rebound by Trisha Dunn off a shot by rookie high schooler Chrissy Wendell after uncharacteristic turnover in our zone by Geraldine Heaney. She rarely does that. The second period, just minutes later, I had squared down on Sue Mertz coming in from the point uncontested, only to have her shot niftily redirected by Karen By, up and over me as I sprawled on the ice. I want them both back. I look at, at my black painted goalie stick. I had to paint it o- over the Louisville logo since they are not an official tournament sponsor. I turn the stick over in my hands and on the back I see a giant gold Kim St. Pierre autograph. I knew she was upset at not playing today. Before the game, I asked her to sign my stick so that a part of her would be with me on the ice. I sit further back in my stall and hide, protected by the wood partitions. Maybe Mel made the wrong choice. I've never had this much doubt during a game. Maybe the team would be better, would play better for Kim. I lean forward, take off my upper body gear. I'm soaked. I look down and take a sip from my water bottle and gather myself. Smile through the adversity. My mom taught me that. The dressing room was quiet. We've never been here before. We've never lost a world championship. Kelly Bouchard, a rookie from Sedley, Saskatchewan, who plays for the Calgary Oval Extreme, turns on the stereo, and she's she's a natural playmaker. She's been playing on what effectively is our second line with veterans Heffert and Campbell and has been holding her own. Maybe music is a spark we need. I head to the washroom, walking directly through the center of the room, cumbersome in my goalie pads. The first period had fairly even back and forth action. I got to play the puck several times and was battling well to find sight lines. Ruggiero took a hitting from behind penalty and a two and a 10 against Wick as she crumpled hard against the boards. Wick got up, but it looked bad. Already playing through pain, Haley Wickenhazer suffered a shoulder injury late in the semifinal against Sweden and then got hit hard in the, into the open American team's door during the second. Having their dominant defenseman Ruggiero in the box in the second should have been to our advantage. The Americans have had several injuries this tournament, had enough moved forwards Jenny Schmidgall and AJ Molesko back to defense, but we haven't been able to capitalize. I emerge from the toilet and walk towards my stall. I shout to no one in particular, we got this. As I walk past Jen, I tap her on the shoulder. Ruggiero, originally from California, was a roommate last year at Harvard. Jen amassed an incredible 88 points in 29 games, winning the American Women's Collegiate Hockey Association Championship as a freshman. She's been doing great this tournament on the top line, playing wing, though she's a natural centerman, alongside Wick and Goyette. But mentally, it's a tough line to be on. Wick is hard on her line mates. Wick and Goyette are often at opposite ends of the bench because Haley's intensity can be too much, with Jen somewhere in between. Wick's been training like a pro since the age of 14, and she expects everyone around her to put in the same degree of effort. Her unrelenting pursuit of excellence often seen as selfish, but I know she's doing it for the team, to help the team win. Goyette is stark contrast to Wick. She works hard and is a naturally gifted player, but is best and most creative when she's carefree and in a positive state of mind. We need Jen to be their glue. I take my seat. The mood is tense. The pressure is high. We can't let them beat us at home. I stare across the room at Wick. She's silent in her stall, swaying back and forth and with a scowling grimace on her face. she okay? Mel comes into the room, trailed by Wally and Karen. This is her first year at the helm, and there's a lot on the line for her. I can tell she's frustrated. That period was not an indication of how good we are, she stares deadpan around the room. Each of you deserves to be here. Believe that and play like that. Is anyone having fun? Silence. This is supposed to be fun, she cracks a rare smile. 
Embrace the crowd, feel the excitement, and remember to enjoy the game. It's just hockey, and you're good at hockey. The intermission ends, and I lead our team onto the ice. The packed crowd roars as we emerge from the tunnel onto the ice for the third period. We're better. We have jump. Today's Brisson, our captain, takes our team on our shoulders, injecting energy with an end-to-end rush capped off by a massive hit on Ruggiero. We get chances. The line of Shuchuk, Willette, and Drillet is humming, creating opportunities. The crowd is willing us to get one back. The play is end-to-end. I make a save on their youngest player, Natalie Darwitz, only 16 and out of Minnesota. Remarkably, Darwitz was on the team last year at the World Championships. Delaney Collins just misses on a two-on-one on a saucer pass from Vicky Sanahara. Delaney is one of our rookies from tiny Pilot Mound, Manitoba. She basically grew up at the famous Athel Murray College of Notre Dame in Wilcox, Saskatchewan, where her dad coaches. She and Natalie Rivard, our third pairing, haven't seen as much ice time today, but every time Delaney stepped on the ice, she, she has tried to ignite a spark. Several minutes into the third, a save made, I cover the puck, ensuring a face-off to my right. I've been corralling the puck well, ensuring no second chances for the Americans, constantly buzzing in my crease. Mel sends out Jaina Hefford and Cassie Campbell, but this time moves Hefford to her natural right wing and has Jen take the face off. Jen looks at Cassie, then glances to ensure Jaina is positioning herself correctly. Jen characteristically lowers herself into a crouch and glides into the face off position against Darwitz. Exactly as planned, Jen wins the puck forward, and Hefford grabs it and takes off. Her speed with the puck is insane. She jets down the right wing past American defender Jenny Schmidtgall. It's a two-on-one, but Campbell acts as decoy. Hefford looks up, and just inside the American team's hash mark, she fires the puck a foot off the ground past Acosta's outstretched blocker. Jaina's arms thrust high into the air as she skates past Cassie and exuberantly leaps into Jen's arms as all three embrace. Delaney and Natalie join them in the mayhem. The crowd erupts on their feet, transforming their nervous energy to a thunderous roar. Two to one. Now we have a game. We have the momentum. Becky gets a glorious chance walking from the point that DaCosta just snags with her shoulder. I make a couple point-blank stops on Jenny Schmidgall, but then the nine-minute mark, Hefford takes Cammy Granado hard into the boards in our zone and gets a penalty. She shakes her head as she makes her way to the box. Kill this off. This is just a setback. Excitement is in the air. Sammy, stay focused. 1994. Savor the moment. Making history. It's a cold February in Winnipeg, but spectators, photographers, local news cameras have piled into the St. Patel Center Centennial Arena to see history being made. I'm 17 years old and in grade 12 and playing in net for my home side. I put my elbow on the crossbar, position my stick on top of the net, and use the other hand to flip up my mask as cameras click to record the moment. Stay calm. Behind me, I hear the ref scream, let's go boys, that's it boys, all done as he tries to squirm his way out between the two large men entangled in fisticuffs. The players are huge compared to the average-sized 17-year-old male opponents I face in the midget double-A loop. Likely in their early 20s, both are over six feet tall and have full beards and look like men. This is MMJHL, the Manitoba Major Junior Hockey League. Both St. Patel Victoria goalies were hurt last week, and coach Bob Thompson called up the two goalies from the lower league. The fight is right behind my net. I take a sip from my water bottle and click more clicks to the camera as I try not to look in their direction. I'm the first girl ever to play in this league. Focus on the next play. No distractions. We're winning 3-1. Just keep my team in the game. There's a player's glove lying dormant in my crease, a remnant of the fight. One of the linesmen joins his referee partner as each now has control of a player. 
Both players' helmets are off, blood running down the side of my teammate's face as he tries to reach for his opponent. F's effing stop running our goalie effing you the big man says he shouts over the lineman who is has him in a full bear hug now okay 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 you've said your piece i hear the linesman say attempting to create space between the two fighters the crowd is going bananas the fighters energy fizzles out and both search the ice for their gloves and helmets escorted by the linesman i flip my helmet back down and position my water bottle on the right side of the mesh always on the right side for easier access you're playing well, shouts a voice behind me. I spin my head around to see the opponent's yellow jersey in my crease reaching over to fetch an errant glove. Confused, I realize I'm within a foot of the opponent of the opponent towering over me, my five foot seven frame. I can see his eyes. He report, repeats the words again, this time softer. You're playing well, he says, sailing, smiling. Thanks, I smile back, the whole interaction lasting about a second. Perhaps he too has realized he is part of history. Before his skate to the penalty box, the crowd screaming expletives in his direction. April 2000, World Championship Mississauga continued. Laurie Dupuis and Vicky forecheck hard, and we kill off the first minute of Hefford's penalty. Campbell and Bouchard switch up at forward, but the U.S. is able to set up in our zone. Their power play is ex exceptionally efficient. Their passing is hard and crisp. Schmidtgall passes the puck to the point, and Malesko redirects it to her partner, Ruggiero, for a cannon of a shot. However, fortunately, the D, Brissot and Heaney have cleared the front of the net, and I see the trajectory all the way. I deflect the puck in the corner. The cycle starts again. Crisp, fast. Schmidgall to Malesko to Ruggiero, down low to Granado, over to Wendell. She's open. I scramble, but Wendell loses the handle. The penalty ends as Hefford gets back out, more electric with each shift. This is her game. She is incredible at finding open ice when she doesn't have the puck often streaking up the right wing, flying right past opponent's defense. Her snapshot has tremendous power, but it's her backhand that has a greater threat. The clock is ticking. Seven minutes left. The faceoff is deep in the American end. Jen is once again on the ice, centering Hefford on her left and Campbell on her right. She wins the draw, and the trio cycle the puck down low. Behind the net, Jen fights off the U.S. Olympic gold medalist Lori Baker and wraps the puck around, trying to stuff it in on DaCosta's left. She takes a couple of whacks at the puck, and it squeezes through the crease to an open Hefford. DaCosta reads it perfectly, making a kick save, but Hefford holds her ground, finding the rebound and lifting it over DaCosta's outstretched pad. The crowd goes bonkers. Tie game. 2-2. With six and a half minutes left to play in the third, we exchange chances with the Americans. But DaCosta, who styles a combination of butterfly and stand-up, doesn't falter. Less than two minutes to play, and Mel moves Nancy Drillet up to the center with Wick and Goyette. They create some chances. Neither team is satisfied with a tie. Everyone is pressing for the winning goal. The period winds down with a save off a hard shot from Ruggiero from the point and King and Granado on the doorstep. The U.S. has outshot us 30-19. to 19. Overtime. Sitting in the dressing room between periods, I take a deep breath. We re-emerge with confidence and momentum for overtime. Our legacy and how each of us remember this game will come down to which team scores. Our team started together at the pre-tournament camp three weeks ago in Sarnia, Ontario. We lived an entire lifetime in these past three weeks. We did team-building activities, learned to curl, and made pottery, and sp and spoke at the community, spoke in the community, and skated with local kids. We did whatever was asked of us to sell our game, all while training twice a day. We lost rookie forward Dana Antel to a leg injury in our second prep game. A tough loss as she's a consistent player who can create space with every stride. Dana was centralized in 98, 
but she was released early. She has perhaps the most deceptive shot. Every goalie has their nemesis, who they just can't seem to read. Mine are Dana and Tammy Lee Shuchuk. They just seem to always put the puck past me in practice. Dana's dreams dash. She has to sit in the stands for the remainder of the tournament, but she remains positive. I'm impressed with her willingness to participate in everything off the ice. Amanda Benoit, who was with us at last year's Worlds in Finland, has filled the roster spot. She's a speedy forward who has meshed right into our lineup. I feel mentally sharp and strong. Mel starts with Jen, Hefford, Campbell up front, and Brissot and Heaney on defense. They've scored our two goals and were on fire in the third period. Mel follows them up with Wick, now back at center, and Goyette and Drolet still on her wings, with Keller and Pounder on defense. Goyette narrowly misses sending the arena into a frenzy when she skirts the puck wide on her backhand. We are dominating this overtime. The puck is in the American end as we cycle through three lines, each more relentless than the previous. I don't want my emotions getting too high or too low. I just let the play unfold, completely in the zone. Then, just four minutes into the overtime, the ref hand goes up, calling a penalty against Hefford as she battled in front of their net, sending American defensemen to the ice. Time to shine. Stay focused. The American power play takes over, passing the puck around the perimeter. Shuffle, shuffle. Where's Granado? I turn my head to see her low to my left. Always know where Granado is. Bouchard clears the zone to clears the zone to end the penalty as Hefford comes back on the line on on the ice with her line. USA has possession. Schmidgall waits with the puck behind DaCosta while a new line comes on. She emerges from behind the net, looking for O'Sullivan skating up the middle. Wick reads it perfectly and intercepts the pass just inside the blue line. She sends the puck on net with Goyette and Drillet chasing the rebound behind the net. American defender Chris Bailey attempts to clear the zone along the boards, but Wick once again reads it perfectly and blocks the puck, knocking the puck down to her feet. Her head down, she gets run over simultaneously by both Shelley Looney and Bailey. Keller picks up the loose puck and wrist shots it down high over the net. Drillet fetches the puck out of the corner. Drillet was the hero in 1997 World Championships in overtime. She skates around the circle, Goyette providing support in the cycle down low. She sweeps uncontested in the middle of the ice. Drillet takes a quick snapshot just inside the faceoff dot. DaCosta goes down. The puck hits her upper body and then slowly, miraculously, careens over her shoulder. The puck falls in a slow motion to the ice behind her. For an impossibly long moment, it bounces in front of the goal line and then magically, willfully, dribbles over the line into the gaping net. Nancy's arms thrust high into the air as she skates into Becky Keller's embrace and our bench clears. It takes me a moment to realize this is real. I bend over, giving myself a private cheer. I skate towards the pileup. Kim escaped from the pileup back towards me. We embrace. Kim, you deserve this too. We turn and skate full force and jump on the pile. What a wonderful sensation. The exhilaration of triumph. World champions again. Well, that is today's episode of the Code St. Luke Telephone Broadcasting Service and Podcast. Thank you to our guests and thank you to you for listening today. My name is Daryl Levine. We launched this podcast and uh, telephone broadcasting service at the end of March 2020. Of course, we had uh, closed our doors at that point. Uh, People could not come anymore to the library to uh, listen to interesting talks and so on. And this was a way of getting the content to you. Uh, One of the things that we did was uh, set up a telephone number that people could call into every day at 2 p.m. so they could listen to this if they either didn't have a computer or maybe they weren't comfortable using a computer. Uh, And of course, we also later distributed this show through the regular podcast channels that people 
uh, who listen to podcasts are familiar with. And maybe that's how you're listening to us today. So thanks for listening. Be well, stay safe, and we'll see you soon.